Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, Hello, hello. It is the 2nd of November. Some call it Melbourne Cup Day. We call it RBA Rates Day. We being myself, Nadine Blaney, here with David Scott, just in time for the COB. It's been an exhausting, but it's been an exhilarating <laughs> and uh, really fun day. And uh, I'm not sure we're really any closer to finding out the answers when it comes to the RBA. Uh, yeah, certainly uh, one of those meetings to go and remember today. Well, look, I, I think there's a few things that I took away from it is that it's the data, stupid. It's the data, not the calendar. It is not about housing. Conversation, he admitted in the boardroom, was not about housing, very little. It was all about yield curve control. So I guess just finessing the details because we already sort of knew that they'd abandoned the defense of that uh, of the yield curve. Yeah, and uh, and taking four or five days to actually go and make it formalised uh, and just being relaxed about it, letting markets go and speculate about what it uh, may or may not mean. Poor. Yeah, but like this is what I was wondering. I mean, haven't they sort of gamed all the various different scenarios? You know, like I, I don't know why they waited those days or is that them sort of, I don't know, trying to establish credibility, doing things in an orderly fashion. They knew that they had a meeting coming up. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, looking at the market moves, particularly on Friday afternoon, now very low liquidity. That's, that's one thing that needs to be added. But uh, they were chaotic. They were dysfunctional. They were disorderly. That is not what you want from the premier uh, interest rate setting mechanism in this country. It was poor. The communication from the RBA is poor and it needs to be addressed well, I suppose I've never seen the last line in a monetary policy statement uh, detailing a webinar to be held with a full Q&A. So there you go. Is this the start of a post-meeting press conference? Look, Lowe has really pushed back, and I've heard Deval push back on that quite a bit in the past few years. Um, do we need to hear from them every month? Do we, do we want to have these meetings every month? I mean, do you think that there's fundamentally a need to sort of revisit the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to the RBA and its communication and its uh, messaging. Yep, and I think it needs an overhaul, and I don't say that lightly, but I think that uh, it needs to adapt to the current era that we go and live in and uh, need to be transparent. And for RBA, uh, pockets of times have gone and shown the ability to go and change the way they go and do things, but still very much in that sense of using central bank speak and code and trying to go and not give away what's going on. That's fantastic. Uh, but at the same time, though, when you want certainty from a business, from a household, you want to know what's going on. And uh, right now, uh, it's more, more questions than answers from what the RBA is going to produce him. And the credibility is suffering. I've never seen the level of vitriol towards the RBA and its actions and its way it does things than I have over the past couple of weeks. Okay, so we do get another communication coming from the RBA on Friday. Statement of monetary policy. Look, of course, we're looking out for the regular forecasts inflation. It will have to rise 
employment, all the rest of it, but also looking for the RBA's take on what's going on overseas because we certainly didn't get that today. Yeah, there's a little bit more on that uh, that webinar uh, press release that, uh, that uh, the governor read uh, at verbatim uh, before he actually started answering the questions and did talk about QE and other aspects as well and why they decided to go and abandon uh, yield curve control. My takeaway is that uh, the RBA is massively reactionary. It reacts to what other central banks do. It reacts to data after it's gone and seen it. It doesn't actually go and preempt a lot of things. Um, now, with the QE, it, the first thing that said is that the actions of other central banks will determine what happens with the QE program. That, to me, tells you that if the Fed gets away and starts to go into its tapering program, which is going to be announced uh, later on this week, then all things being equal, QE in Australia, that experiment, is likely to come to an end come February next year. Well, just a final note on what was said today. Philip Lowe said that the rates pricing of last week was a complete overreaction to the inflation data. Yet uh, that same market pricing, which has been a massive overreaction, uh, according to the RBA's forecast, has uh, underlying inflation going back to the midpoint of the target and unemployment falling to 4% by the end of next year, uh, the end of 2023, uh, and inflation picking up, wage pressures picking up. So go figure. It's more confusion. Uh, the forecasts are very aggressive, 125 basis points of hikes uh, over the next, uh, next 12 months or so. And uh, yet all things are going up to, you know, hitting target, hitting their objections, but then it's too, uh, too overexcited the pricing. I'm confused. Do you think there's going to be a move in 2022, though, fundamentally? And do you think a move uh, higher in rates would be justified based on what we know now? Uh, certainly, I've got to go rethink what I've been thinking. I thought that it would take longer. I expect that we might see some more macro pre coming through in the housing market, which will really take away that need to go and act, to go and, and reduce the heat in that particular area of the market. Clearly, the risk right now is, uh, is what happens with labour market outcomes. We've seen in other developed economies, the United Kingdom, the United States, the private sector wages are starting to go and pick up very quickly. Full employment levels are now, you know, it's hitting those levels far sooner than what uh, was anticipated. To say that it's not going to happen here in Australia is naive to think so. But one thing, and the one thing I'm going to be writing about tomorrow, is there's going to be one data release in particular that's going to be very important each month that will go and help determine what may go and happen with the wages front, and that's the migration report. I also would like to see what happens uh, with some people's willingness to rejoin the jobs market, particularly in lower paid jobs, when there has been a huge retail push and into an appetite for equities and crypto. A lot of people have made money uh, through this pandemic being traders, investors. And uh, that's what they're seeing in the States, you know, this great financialization and this change in demographics and where people are making money or punting. You're looking at me with a smile, how, whatever you want to call it. But there is, there is a whole cohort that is not willing to return to work the only no one, money. only one rug pull away from being back to the, the workforce. And uh, no, the it has been very easy to go and make money across a variety of different asset mm -hmm. classes over the past uh, 20 months or so. It's going to become much more difficult. And as financial conditions tighten, which is what we're seeing when it comes to you know, the fiscal stimulus in the States and other parts of the world, monetary policy certainly looks like it's getting tighter in most developed economies. Put those two together uh, at some point. Uh, those people who have made very good money and decide to go and become full-time traders in whichever marketplace 
are going to be tested. It happens every cycle. Yep. So we will see. Time will tell. Look, let's get back to the here and now because it was a negative day for the local market. The weekly gains pretty much wiped off down by six tenths of one percent. If I take a look, Scuddy, at some of the sectors, you know, materials, we saw futures. Uh, commodity futures falling hard, uh, consumer staples down. I mean, the material space was off over 2%. Um, some of the worst performers there, Independence Group, Linus, uh, Mineral Resources. Uh, if we get to uh, the market overall, some of the positivity was in the real estate space, consumer discretionary. Real estate, you can put a lot of that down to Goodman Group. It was one of the best performers. Uh, also a really solid performer today. On the back of a little M&A activity was premium. It was up by 15.5%. Net wealth down by 2.25%. It was the stock of the day. Kashi sat down with his expert guests. 12 p.m. happens every day. Gary Glover from Novus Capital and Howard Coleman from Team Invest to see what they had to say about NWF. Good time to do it when your PE is on uh, you know, sort of 70 times um, and you're just a platform provider. Um, in that space there so I think it's uh, you know to be offering sort of script is a way to go here um, when, when your company is pretty highly valued there so yeah look I, I've used premium before it's not a bad platform um, but yeah I, I don't know I think the net wealth itself is pretty fully priced here for me I think it's um, stock sort of showing topping sort of pattern type characteristics I mean the valuation is pretty high there we're still on um, even with what 14% growth this year and another 13% growth factored in for the following year, we're still on 60 times sort of uh, you know 23 type earnings there. So might be buying a little bit of growth there, but um, and these multiples there, I just couldn't be buying the stock here. I think it's uh, fully priced, but uh, good time for NetWell to be making a move with a script bid. When you look at the business of NetWell, putting aside the fact that it's an absurdly high PE, as, as Gary points out. Uh, the business is doing really well. It's got, as one would expect in financial services like this, very high return on equity. I mean, the return on equity is in the 50s uh, percent-wise. It's got no debt to speak of, and it's growing its earnings at 35% plus a year. Now, that's absolutely wonderful as a business, but then, as Gary points out, it's on a very, very high PE of 77 or so, according to our um, backward calculations, we always take the PE of the last reported actual earnings. Um, and the bid they're making for premium is at an even higher PE. I mean, uh, they're paying uh, a PE of over 100 uh, for premium. So it won't even be earnings per share accretive in the first year on the assumption that there aren't significant synergies. Now, there may be synergies, but wow, um, you know, on behalf of uh, any network wealth shareholders, I'm not one, and it, uh, I don't think there are any in Team Invest. It hasn't been listed long enough. But uh, I hope they don't get in a dance where they land up paying even more. But they have so far said um, they're definitely not prepared to increase the offer. It's a one-time offer. Um, but certainly, if this offer goes ahead, I'd say the premium shareholders are doing very well out of it. So that is net wealth as the stock of the day. Uh, we have got the U.S. Fed meeting starting tonight. It's Central Bank Bonanza this week. Yeah. 
DOE, you know, following up uh, soon after on Thursday. It's going to be a big, big you know, few days ahead. Throwing the OPEC uh, OPEC meeting uh, with Russia and a few of the allies there and what it intends to do when it comes to uh, no crude production, not necessarily this month, but potentially moving towards uh, no, later this year and early next year. It's, uh, it's going to be a risk-filled event week. Uh, <laughs> there's lots to go on. We're going to have to get our rest. Look, I would love to keep chatting, Scuddy, but it's been a long one and it had a, a glass of champagne at about three o'clock, which I don't think has done anything for energy levels around town. But we kept it pretty clean, didn't we, all things considered? Yeah, it helped me the three o'clock. I know that much. You know, <laughs> smooth talking. But uh, yeah, it was good to go and uh, no, see the uh, the race. And uh, congratulations if you got them very elegant. Uh, no, one of the uh, the favorites, but uh yeah, it was good to go and see the Melbourne uh, no, people uh, go and get out. Yeah, there. that's what I thought. I thought it was really good that it that it happened, you know, this yeah. year. It's a it's a good sign, and uh, I've got a lot of high hopes looking at what some of the numbers are doing, both uh, here in Victoria, where, of course, we've got uh, COVID in the community. Uh, we seem to be getting on top of it. Reopening is taking place, but we're not seeing a big spike at this stage. If everyone just does the right thing and uh, shows a little bit of caution, we've got summer ahead. Let's go and enjoy it. Let's go enjoy the night. See you, Scotty. See ya. 